The Blue Gold Report. Irish reporters Todd Burlidge and Mason Plummer get ready for Notre Dame football game day Saturdays only on 1380 The Fan. Another edition of the Blue Gold Report, the Notre Dame podcast, all athletics encompassing podcast that we hope you join us on every week, right in the middle of football season. Notre Dame coming off an uninspiring 12-7 win over Louisville. We'll talk about that. They do have a tough opponent and their first road game at Pitt. We're going to look at some high points and low points four games into this season since we have a bit of a larger sample size now to base it on. Mason has a recruiting segment, as always. He'll bring us up to speed on all that news. That and much, much more. I mentioned him a little bit ago, Mason Plummer. He's my co-host. Mason, introduce yourself, man. Yeah, thanks, Todd. My name is Mason Plummer. I'm a recruiting analyst and staff writer over at blueandgold.com. Notre Dame's got pit. And it should be an interesting one. I think we're all kind of still a little bit stunned by what happened against Louisville. I guess I should probably introduce myself. I'm Todd Burlidge. I'm a contributing writer for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Again, we'll get to all that, but as we start every show... Gold Rush. Junior running back Jameer Smith has left the team, posted on Twitter that his mental health is more important than football right now. We wish him well, and hopefully he'll be back someday. The All-American Bowl, the biggest bowl in the country for incoming college recruits, has been canceled. Notre Dame 2021 commits offensive tackle Blake Fisher, wide receiver Deion Colsey, and others were projected to play in it. The Under Armour All-American Bowl is still in play for now. Notre Dame guys had a big day in the NFL last Sunday. As a matter of fact, four of them scored touchdowns. Cole Komet with the Bears, he scored his first career, as did Durham Smythe, a tight end for the Miami Dolphins. He's in his third year down there. Obviously, Komet is a rookie. Another rookie, Chase Claypool, who was lighting it up at Pittsburgh. He added another rushing touchdown for the Steelers. He had four the previous week, we all remember. And Houston wide receiver, Will Fuller, he had a TD catch during a six-reception, 123-yard, one-touchdown day in his game for the Texans. Uh, Todd, tell me if you've heard this before. Notre Dame left tackle Liam Eichenberg has once again made the pro football focus college offensive line team of the week. Notre Dame freshman tight end Michael Mayer, Football Writers Association of America, named him to the freshman All-American watch list. This, as Michael Mayer comes off his first career touchdown catch in the Louisville game. Off to a quick start, Mayer has seven receptions, 80 yards, and that one TD. Against Louisville, he became the first true freshman tight end to catch a touchdown pass for Notre Dame since Kyle Rudolph in 2008. Notre Dame rose to number three in the AP and coaches poll this past week. It's highest ranking since the last week of the 2018 season when Notre Dame made the college football playoff. It has also extended its rank streak to 52 weeks, a whole year, good for fourth best in the country. The longest streak for Notre Dame since the 1994 season. Gold Rush. All right, we have to dive in a little bit deeper to this Louisville game. I mentioned the score 12-7. to None of us could have seen that coming. Um, I think I my heart was beating the fastest coming out of the second half. Notre Dame's up 6-0. Louisville scores on its first possession of that second half. Goes up 7-6. A lot of momentum. Onside kick. Looks like the Cardinals recover it, but a penalty negated that. Next thing you know, Notre Dame answered with a touchdown drive. I believe it was 66 yards. Took the lead, went for two, but that was it. That was it for the score. And the Notre Dame defense did a great job. Man, Mason, you couldn't have seen that one coming. Definitely not. I expected this, if anything, to be a higher scoring game. Louisville's got the talent to put up points in a hurry, and you think Notre Dame does as well. The Notre Dame defense held strong, but the offense just wasn't there. Uh, it was an ugly game. Notre Dame only had seven possessions. Didn't really get it done in the red zone. They had no problem getting it down there, but the offense seemed to halter out once it got into the red zone. So 
that's something I'm sure they're working on in practice this week. You're going to need to score points against this Pitt team. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about red zone here. It's been a problem really for Notre Dame all season, but especially against Louisville, as you mentioned. I suppose the one thing we can always go to as we revisit these games is the work of the running game from Notre Dame and the work of one Kyron Williams, who had another terrific outing. Williams carried 25 times for 127 yards. That's a 5.1 per carry average. He's averaging 121.5 yards per game, which now runs sixth in the country. Perhaps most impressively for me was in that last drive, that last game-winning drive that didn't produce any points, but Notre Dame was able to hold on to the ball for almost eight minutes, seven minutes and 55 seconds, ran 14 plays. Williams rushed the ball nine times during that drive for 45 yards and converted two third downs. So that really goes to show you, you know, when you look at what he's doing with that kind of carries, 25 of them to be exact, at five foot nine and 194 pounds, you wouldn't think he's a workhorse kind of guy, but he's starting to turn out that way, Mason. Definitely agree. He can take the workload and he doesn't go down easy. Defenders don't like tackling him. You can see that they kind of get up hobbling or they really struggle to tackle him. It takes a couple of them normally if he doesn't make you miss in the first place. He's so shifty and he's really tough to bring down and that's kind of what the NFL game is shifting to as well. So I really think that if Kyron Williams projects, continues in this skyrocketing path, that he could be an NFL guy at some point. But good thing for us, we still have a couple more years of covering him in Notre Dame. For sure. And the defense, as you mentioned, did a great job too, allowing Louisville to only, holding Louisville to only 233 total yards, 104 on the ground. I guess when I come out of this though, Mason, the big question looms, in all honesty, the wide receivers and Ian Book, they just have not jived yet. They have not gelled yet. And that continues to be a problem. I can't help but wonder, so I'll just throw you the question, does Notre Dame have enough offensive firepower to hang with a Clemson or an Alabama? At the moment, from what we've seen, no. Uh, I don't think you've seen a fully healthy Braden Lindsay, as Brian Kelly referenced in his press conference this past week. And we most definitely haven't seen a healthy Kevin Austin, who only got a few snaps against Louisville this past week. With the two of them, number one and number two wide receivers for Notre Dame against Clemson, I think you have more of a chance. I still think Clemson will be heavily favored, but you need both of them at the top of their game playing Clemson, and that's only a few weeks away now. So they really need to get get going and really get into form. Uh, The running backs have been great. The offensive line has been great. The tight ends have been great. Uh, Ian Book's been lackluster, but I think his performance will continue to improve once he gets his wide receivers healthy. Yeah, we hope so because it's going to need to. Uh, certainly you're going to need more than 12 points to beat a Clemson uh, when that comes up on November 8th. So in the meantime, Notre Dame has two games, the one at Pitt this weekend and then at Georgia Tech, so a couple road games. They're going to have to improve, and obviously they're going to have to improve fast in that respect. So that kind of leads me in a little bit. You mentioned red zone, the problems there, and they have been many. Five trips inside the red zone against Louisville in those seven offensive possessions for Notre Dame. Only one touchdown. I will forgive them on one of those possessions because that's when they were running out the clock, took a knee inside the red zone. So that one's forgivable. But one and four still is not. This is a team that ranks 55 out of 77. I'm sorry, 50th out of 77 in the nation. They've been in the red zone 20 times this year, managed only 12 touchdowns and four field goals and have come away four times with nothing. That's not what we're used to seeing. As a matter of fact, last year, okay, I said 12 touchdowns in 20 attempts so far this year. This time last year, they had been to the red zone 14 times and scored 12 touchdowns. I'm not sure what to attribute it to, Mason. Do you have any theories on why they're struggling inside the red zone, especially in the passing game? Well, it's an it's an odd situation because those stats you just mentioned, I was looking at those this past week. So you're making it into the red zone 
more, but you're scoring at the same rate as you were last year. So it's a good thing to be making it into the red zone more. But I think it might be that Tommy Reese is trying to make the offense too complicated. Stick to what you're good at and continue to pound the rock all the way in down into the goal line. Opposing defenses, nobody's been able to stop the Notre Dame offensive line or the running attack. So you don't try to get cute throwing screens that down inside the 20. Just right. keep running it and uh, just get it done that way. We especially, especially when you look at the red zone numbers for Ian Book, he's only 13 of 28 passing down there, so well under 50%. He has had a couple drops. He's been sacked three times, so maybe that goes to your point, why you're getting cute down there. And he's been picked off one time. They do have nine rushing touchdowns inside that red zone. But that's an area that Notre Dame absolutely has to improve in. I think you make a really good point, Mason, in that, you know what, why get tricky? Why get fancy down here? Go with what you know. Run behind your beefy offensive line. And perhaps, as Brian Kelly talked about there, maybe that's the evolution they're going to make, don't you think? Yeah, it could be. It'll, it'll be interesting to see this week. Pitt is not going to mess around on defense. Pat Narduzzi, he runs a really solid defense and always seems to have Notre Dame's number. So this is the week to get it figured out, I think. By the numbers. Two. Two games where two true Irish freshmen have scored TDs. Against Louisville, it was Chris Tyree and Michael Mayer. Against South Florida, it was Chris Tyree and linebacker Jordan Botello. When he returned a block punt, basically fell on it in the end zone for a touchdown. Six. Six Irish players making homecomings in this trip to Pennsylvania. Senior defensive lineman Kurt Heinisch, he's from Pittsburgh. Junior linebacker Bo Beyer. And then three offensive linemen, senior Josh Lug. Sophomore Andrew Kristoffic. Freshman Michael Carmody. And then senior walk-on tight end Xavier Lazinski. Okay, Mason. As always, we got to get this recruiting in there. There is always something going on on the recruiting front, so give us the lowdown. Unfortunately, this past week, four-star wide receiver, top 100 player in the nation, Dante Thornton, committed to Oregon this past Wednesday. He's the number 55 player in the nation, according to rivals in the 2021 class. Had Notre Dame in his top group. It looked for a while like Notre Dame had a legitimate shot with him after he decommitted from Penn State earlier this year. But it really never looked like landing him after taking three receivers in this class, Lorenzo Styles, Deion Colsey, and Jaden Thomas. And secondly, on my recent story I have highlighted on blueandgold.com, 2021 defensive end commit Will Schweitzer visited Notre Dame for the Florida State game. Uh, you can read about that visit recap on blueandgold.com. It's a really interesting stuff there and some really cool pictures as well. I had a great conversation with Schweitzer and his family after that visit. Mason, where does Notre Dame stand? Are they done with the 2021s? Is it all about 2022s now? Sort of give me the lay of the land when it comes to recruiting. I'd say the the, the focus is being shifted towards 2022 more so. Um, there are some names to know still in the 2021 class. Titus Mokayo, Atimi Lala, he's a Hawaiian safety uh, wide receiver. Um, he would like to play wide receiver, but Notre Dame really doesn't want to take four receivers in this class. Uh, if, he, if he wants to play safety, he's an absolute take because he's a great athlete and he's going to fit in well at Notre Dame. He seems to love Notre Dame. He's high on academics, but um, it just depends on where he ultimately wants to play and whether the staff takes him there. And then the other names to know is Sayer Wright, the cornerback out of California. He's really big on academics as well. He's a five-star kid. Notre Dame's absolutely going to take him, even after taking three DBs already. It's really looking like it's going to be between Stanford and Notre Dame. I really feel like he's leaning Stanford at this point. It's going to be a tough battle, but if, we, if Notre Dame can get him on campus, you never know. Mason, I w I've been wanting to ask you about this, and we do have a little time this week to do so. Obviously, Notre Dame's able to sell itself to its recruits through on-campus visits. The place is beautiful. It has an aura about it. That's undeniable. You hear, you hear player after player, commit after commit tell you that. 
They've been unable to do that through this COVID cloud here. How are they, I know everybody's trying to get creative out there with their ways to attract recruits. What's sort of Notre Dame been doing in particular to try to attract these guys even without being able to bring them on campus? A lot of it, from what I've been told, is due to the excellence presentation that Notre Dame runs with the coaching staff as well as with the, with professors. So this is really highlighting essentially the 4 for 40 that Notre Dame advertises, Todd. So when you get your Notre Dame degree, it, it, it sets you apart from all of your competition. They're instilling in these guys that, yes, we're ideally we're going to make all of our football players NFL guys, but that, obviously that can't happen with everyone. So they're saying, and you have to end your football career somewhere. So with a Notre Dame degree in any field, especially business now at this point, which a lot of football players get into, just the you set yourself up for your future and for your family as well. So Notre Dame's really highlighting that with some guys, and it doesn't resonate with everyone, but for the guys that are really looking forward towards their future and really want to be able to provide for their family, that resonates with them really well from what I've been told. You know what, Mason, and it's interesting moving beyond football a little bit here, one of the stories I do for Blue and Gold Illustrated every edition is called ND Sports, and it highlights a program or an athlete from the Olympic sports programs beyond football and basketball. And the answer you just gave is what you get all the time from these types of athletes. They're brilliant kids. They all come here for a dual reason. They want to compete, but they want to walk away with that prestigious degree. You know, when you're talking about Olympic sports, there's not a lot of money to be made like there is in football and basketball. So that's what these kids choose first. And that really does, like you said, separate Notre Dame from a lot of other schools around the country. All right, let's go ahead and move on to Pittsburgh here. So he's been an interesting opponent. This is the 72nd meeting between these two teams. So this series dates back a long ways. Pittsburgh's an interesting team. Well, let me start with the nuts and bolts here. It's number three, Notre Dame, 4-0, 3-0 in conference against Pitt, 3-3, 2-3 in conference. It's a 3.30 Eastern time kickoff on ABC. Obviously, Heinz Field there in Pittsburgh. Cloudy in 50s, no rain in the forecast, but a little bit chilly. That's okay. Pittsburgh has lost three straight after winning its first three. A couple of them were heartbreakers here. A 30-29 loss, NC State, but especially the 31-30 overtime loss to Miami. you got to feel bad for place kicker Alex Kessman in that one. Mason, he hit a 58-yarder to send the game to overtime and then missed an extra point. To lose in overtime. So you're talking about the ultimate and highs and lows there. Pittsburgh has a veteran quarterback in Kenny Pickett. He's a senior and it returns 15 returning starters. So Mason, this will be the most veteran team that Notre Dame plays this season. This game always makes me nervous. BK is 5-1 and one against Pitt. But four of those wins have come by six points or fewer. This is the first road game. Man, there's a lot of dynamics to this. Notre Dame's only about a nine, nine and a half point favorite. There's something about Pittsburgh and Pat Narduzzi that has Notre Dame's number. Um, Notre Dame always seems to have the significant athletic advantage. They always seem to have the better players, better coaching staff. But it's something that Narduzzi does every single year that Notre Dame just can't figure out. And he runs that defense extremely well. It's always an ugly game for the most part, and I expect this one to be no different, to be honest, Todd. One thing we wanted to get into with Brian Kelly this week was talking about this is their first go-around on the road since that Wake Forest game was postponed until December, and that presents a whole new set of challenges under this COVID-19 situation. And here's Brian Kelly kind of working you through what the logistics and all that look like. We will we will treat Friday on the road just like it's Friday here um, at Notre Dame Stadium, which uh, also includes eating downtown our dinner um, at Century Plaza and, and now 
getting on the plane, uh, obviously after a big meal. So there'll be no food on the plane. Um, you know, obviously that is a uh, an area that uh, the CDC is is asking us to to obviously be cognizant of it as uh, as well. So when we get in, we'll get in sometime later in the evening, eight thirty, eight forty five snack and right to bed. We'll get up in the morning. Uh, breakfast will be to go. Uh, we will not eat together. And then we will travel to the stadium after our meetings and we will eat at Heinz Field for our pregame meal, walk down to the locker room, play the game. After the game, uh, eat up in the concourse, get on the plane and head back. So, um, you know, very little contact with the hotel, very little contact in those kinds of situations. Um, create an atmosphere where we you know feel like we can control it as best as as we can so a whole different world on the road now mason typically it's pretty cozy for these guys they get in they do their thing and they can kind of move freely about the area a little curfew and that but man brian kelly's putting these guys on lockdown it sounds like and 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 shortening the stay which obviously the less time you spend in pittsburgh and around people the better off you are sounds like a good plan but it's their first go around I think this is going to be a big test for uh, how they're going to handle the road uh, the road games in the future. Their name, as we mentioned in the past couple of shows, Todd, they've really got to be careful. They've already tested their luck a handful of times now, and you got to take all precautions at this point, especially traveling on the road. I like that Brian Kelly shortening the road trip, really putting the guys on lockdown. It's unfortunate because Pittsburgh's a great city. I'm yeah. a big Steelers fan, and there's a lot of things to do there, but now is not the time to be visiting and going to sightsee and everything. They're on a business trip. Yeah, and it's a short flight, so when you talk about shortening your stay there, that's not really a huge deal. It's not like you're flying across country or something. That would be obviously trickier, but that is certainly a dynamic worth watching. I think a couple of statistics of note worth mentioning here. Notre Dame is second in the country in third down defense, so they know how to get off the field, but perhaps even more importantly, Importantly, they're fourth in the country in fewest penalties, only 3.25 per game. I think that comes with a veteran team, and that's been beneficial. When you watch the Louisville game, Cardinals really hurt themselves in the fourth quarter with a lot of ill-timed penalties that kind of set them back during their their quest to try to win that thing. Brian Kelly said it really is. it, It goes deeper than just snap counts and whatnot. He just likes the overall general discipline of his team, and here he is addressing that. You know, it's a disciplined group. It's a veteran group. Um... You know, you would expect that out of the group that we have, but they're disciplined off the field too. So, um, you know, I think it's the way they live. I think it's the way they take care of themselves off the field. They're a disciplined group of guys on both sides of the ball. You saw late in the game, um, you know, penalties played a huge part in in, uh, what happened in that game against Louisville. You know, there were a lot of penalties late, and uh, it it, it put Louisville off off track um, offensively. And, you know, we've, we've been able to stay away from you know, key penalties late, um, early or late, and uh, it's benefited us, obviously. And so um, I think it's the way our kids handle themselves off the field. I think it's uh, the expectations that we set in the program, and I think it's having veteran players. And, and like you mentioned, you know, it's, you know, it's quiet out there. We have to <laughs> – we, we, uh, we actually have to uh, change up some of the things that we do on the line of scrimmage because it uh, as you saw we've we've started to kind of sugar huddle a little bit because uh, everybody can hear what we're saying on the line of scrimmage i thought it was interesting too there where brian kelly said they sort of have to 
because of empty stadiums or partially filled stadiums, they have to kind of change their strategy because the opposing sideline can hear what they're saying to their home players. Who would ever, who would ever seen that coming? Yeah, when you have that kind of veteran offensive line, first false start penalty of the entire season against Louisville. That is really impressive stuff. Uh, Notre Dame is also seventh in the country in rush offense, 261 yards per game. The record for Brian Kelly in the previous 10 seasons he's coached here is 265 yards per game. So perhaps he can make a run at that. And then the Irish are fourth in scoring defense at 11.5 points per game. Mason, we spent so much time talking about sort of the ills of the offense that a lot of times we sort of overlook how consistent and solid the defense has been. Yeah, I think so. The defense has done a great job, and I think that a lot of people were really upset with the offense, potentially with Tommy Reese, Ian Book, the receivers this past week. But holding Louisville to seven points is really impressive, and I think you're going to see a big performance from the defense again. There are some names that don't get talked about enough on the defense. Even I don't think Owusu Koromoa has been talked about enough. Kyle Hamilton's been great. Um, the defensive line has been really solid, even though they're not getting the sack numbers. They're getting pressure on the quarterback consistently. I think this, that's going to be a big key to this game, and we'll get into that in our predictions. Yeah, and I think we do need to see at some point more sacks and definitely more turnovers from that defense. But beyond that, they're doing a good job of holding things down, and thank goodness because they'd have gotten tripped up against Louisville for sure. I guess when I look at it, maybe that Louisville game was a good time for a scare with two road games and then Clemson coming up. Why not get the team's attention then? Okay, Mason, that gets us to prediction time. I'll let you go ahead and start, my friend. All right, like I mentioned a couple times already, Pitt and Narduzzi always seem to play Notre Dame tough. Um, Pat Narduzzi is especially successful with Tommy Reese at the helm at quarterback for Notre Dame. Um, I expect Notre Dame to win. Uh, Todd, you mentioned that nine, nine and a half line. Uh, I expect it to be uncomfortable for a good portion of the game. Um, I think Notre Dame will struggle to score points, probably will be able to get it down into the red zone, but that's when the pit defense really seems to clamp down. Mm -hmm. I'll take Notre Dame 27-17. Yeah, we're going to be really close here, Mason, on our predictions, and you're exactly right. I like your assessment. In in a lot of ways, that is where pit shines is down in that red zone, so Notre Dame is going to have to find a way to punch it in, and it's not going to be an easy task. When I look at Pittsburgh, I think of the two last legitimate title runs that Notre Dame has made, 2012 and 2018, and the Panthers almost spoiled each of them. In 2012, Notre Dame needed triple overtime to steal a 29-26 win over the Panthers. That preserved that undefeated season. And then again in 2018, the Irish needed a fourth-quarter comeback for a 19-14 win over Pitt to, again, preserve that undefeated regular season so it's going to be another close one for sure it's going to be interesting and it's going to be uh strap yourself in because you're going to be watching four quarters of football notre dame 24 pit 17 mason did i skip anything i'm out of stuff what else you got anything I don't think so. Just looking forward to kickoff tomorrow. It's a big day in sports in general. I'm going to be glued to the TV all day long. You'll be able to find us at blueandgold.com, Blue and Gold Illustrated. Mason's at Mason Plumber underscore. I'm at Todd Burlage. Those are our Twitter handles. Folks, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this exclusive presentation of 1380 The Fan, the Blue Gold Report. And be sure to download the latest edition of the show wherever you download podcasts or go to 1380thefan.com. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.